Dr. Nick Montfort teaches creative computing at MIT, and he doesn't hold Shakespeare or Da Vinci as the high watermark of creativity, nor does he believe that human creative endeavor is the only worthwhile kind. In this interview, Dr. Montfort shares some of his own examples of how computers can aid the creative process in ways that might result in art that humans aren't capable of making alone. In addition, he provides his insight as to where the intersections in, of AI and creativity might lie, as well as how computers might help us understand the creative process. Without further ado, let's hop right into the interview. So, Nick, the question I wanted to start off with, you know, we've had a lot of folks from Stanford, your, your alma mater there at MIT, or where you're teaching now at MIT, uh, in the domains of artificial intelligence, of what's, you know, some people prefer machine learning and form distinctions there. Your domain at MIT is creative computing. How do you define that? How do we define creative computing as maybe separate from those other terms, or, or the same? Sure. Well, Dan, I like to look as much at the past as uh, uh, imagining the future. And uh, Creative Computing is the name of a specific computer magazine that uh, ran from 1974 through uh, 1985. And so, you know, right at the beginning of um, uh, uh, even before uh, microcomputing, uh, there was already this magazine that was extolling uh, the capabilities of the computer to teach, uh, to help people learn, um, to help people explore, and mm -hmm. help them uh, do different types of creative work in uh, literature, the arts. Um, and music and so on. Um, and uh, it was edited by uh, David All uh, for a long time, who okay. uh, did uh, uh, his most famous book is probably 101 Basic Games. And, um, uh, and it was a time when people had a lot of uh, um, uh, hope that computing would uh, enable people personally as artists and as creators to, to do work. Um, and uh, it's actually, I think, a, a different time than, than uh, we're in right now because people are interested in uh, using tools and apps to do things. But uh, actual code, the ability to work at a low level with computation and the ability to make systems that do uh, creative things, uh, there's, a, there's a few people working in those areas. But uh, it's, uh, it's not as widespread as hmm. uh, uh, it had been hoped maybe in the, in the late 70s and yeah. early 80s. Yeah, so, um, so my interest in creative computing um, really runs from, you know, the industrial productions of the video game industry, some of which are quite uh, brilliant and quite compelling, you know, those are the Hollywood blockbusters of, uh, of creative computing, um, to uh, research projects that are done at universities. Um, sometimes people will take models of uh, creativity that they develop, formal models of creativity, um, and work with computing uh, to try to cr create something that is... Um, uh, formally understandable as creative, huh. uh, and so this this field of endeavor is called um, uh, computational creativity, and obviously it has a lot to do with with creative computing. But um, it's it's really about uh, building these formal models and understanding cr the creative process and creativity better, not particularly producing um, uh, results or having individuals um, working with computers to do creative uh, creative types of things. So, okay. um, so there's there's a whole range of work. Those are some of the high end uh, sorts of uh, uh, productions, um, and then you know people um, uh, grabbing JavaScript from the web and making some modifications to it and coming up with uh, new ideas about how uh, images and text fit together and using computation to create in new ways. That is also uh, creative computing, and I I think a pretty uh, 
exciting type of, of creative computing. Huh. Um, so that, that's that's the that's the range. That's you know some some of the range of activities and, and you know and the the purposes that people are are are, are, are undertaking. You know as they as they work on this, they, they range from writing about uh, trauma and personal identity. Uh, the, you know, to uh, uh, creating um, uh, politically challenging work, to uh, uh, being involved with uh, art history and contemporary art, you know, all, all sorts of things. Got it. So, uh, Nick, just to, to clarify, it sounds as though the field of creative computation we can understand to be uh, the attempt to represent the creative process in some formal sense through, uh, through computing and to learn something about the creative process and its yield it almost it almost sounds a bit like a philosophical endeavor, at least when it's pursued yeah. on that level. So, so, so that's, that's actually specifically um, computational creativity. Okay. So the video game industry doesn't care about that, you know, right? If we they create a triple A AAA game uh, that might be very interesting, it might be very compelling. Uh, whether or not it models uh, human creativity, you know, that doesn't. They don't matter, really care. But it's a creative endeavor, and similarly, artists, you know, working as individuals, you know, putting things together. Uh, putting stuff up with you know VJs and DJs and, and showing exhibits, uh, you know they they may not be interested in that either. Yep. That's just one of the that's just one of the ways that people do approach. Got it. Okay. Uh, creative computing. Oh, and, uh, and, yep. and and the, that way can speak to some of the other ways. You know. Uh, For so sure. I, I see that in uh, uh, in dialogue with some of the other efforts that are being made. Um, but I, I I myself am not interested solely in. Um, uh, in that form of um, uh, uh, computational creativity, I'm also interested in the types of creative computing that shade off into these these other areas. Yeah, and just to I want to touch base really quickly on your thoughts around just just to uh, bring it to light where creative computing fits in in the the, the domain of of uh, gaming and also how it relates to AI. You know where are the lines drawn in terms of one one or the sure. other. Of course. It, you know these big fancy games like your, you know, Grand Theft Autos of the world and and uh, whatever else the kids are playing these days. Um, you know, there's there's got to be characters out there in the in their little virtual worlds that are that are doing semi intelligent, uh, taking semi semi intelligent action uh, against the protagonist or with the protagonist. Um, and, and of course, that seems like some degree of artificial yep. intelligence. Where 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 does kind of gaming and creative computing, is it like, well, making a game is a creative endeavor, and because it involves cre computers, it's creative computing. It, can, it, can it be that broad, or how did you intend that overlap? Sure. So let me just sort of, uh, this is really uh, uh, the topic for a few books probably, I'm rather sure, than a I'm short sure. conversation, but let me poke at this by, by mentioning these two connections between um, AI and, uh, and gaming on the one hand, and then this other field of um, uh, computational creativity. That I mentioned, you know, on the other. So in, in gaming, uh, so classically, the way that that what what co what comes to be called AI, um, and this isn't the same thing that AI researchers are talking about particularly, but what comes to be called AI, uh, and this is something that Ian Bogust and I uh, wrote about in our book Racing the Beam, the Atari Video Computer System. Um, um, initially, you want to create an opponent. Um, you could also create a a, a partner. Uh, for the player, but initially uh, the idea was let's have somebody play, you know, tic-tac-toe um, against a, a, um, a person. Let's have, let's have a, a, a system do this. Yep. And um, um, it's it's obviously it's it's not really any fun if you if you have the computer play perfectly because the computer just defeats the person every it time. Smashes right? them. Yeah. So so actually the 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 
way that AI manifests itself first in gaming is in making uh, an opponent that is challenging but but does not do perfect play, right? Uh, yep. So it, it's it's enough of a challenge to make it interesting to play the game, but it's not so much that it would demolish uh, the player yep. and uh, and not make it fun. And uh, and so I think that's actually seeing that origin. Obviously, that's not the only thing that one does with AI, you know, in computer games today. But that type of origin story, like what does AI originally mean in games, um, is interesting and it, it explains a lot. Now, on the other hand, the relationship of AI to um, computational creativity um, is an interesting one. There's some people I know in the AI community who would say um, it's the same thing. What people are doing in computational creativity is covered by uh, the uh, endeavor of artificial intelligence. Um, but a lot of the ways in which AI is understood is um, uh, the ability to achieve a, a particular known objective. So that, for instance, if you have a car that you want to drive across the United States um, autonomously, um, then uh, you know when it's done that successfully because it got to the destination that you gave it, right? Or another, I mean, this is a machine learning task, which, uh, or it's well-recognized a machine learning task, um, maybe less well-recognized as an AI task, but let's say you want to have a system understand uh, handwritten zip codes, right? And yep. so look at the digits on, a, on an envelope and, and figure out what the zip code is. Well, in that case, um, you sort of know what the answer is. I mean, a, a person could look at it and, and figure out the zip code, or, or if a person couldn't figure it out, then you're not asking really the computer to do that. So um, hmm. all of these are um, uh, ways in which, you know, uh, uh, there's a, an understanding of AI, which is, you know, getting to something that's, that's known. Now, in computational creativity, what you're doing is you're trying to develop a system that will surprise you. It's going to do something novel. Got in it. fact, if it does something that you already knew about, uh, pretty much by definition, it's not creative because <laughs> it came up with something that you expected. Got it. Right? So, so in that sense, uh, that one fundamental sense, there is a possible distinction uh, between uh, AI and computational creativity and a different type of emphasis in what computational creativity does. But like I say, I like I mean, not everyone in AI uh, would agree with that uh, yep. with that distinction. But um, um, but it is a different type of emphasis than a lot of the a lot of the work there. So for sure, uh, there's actually you know at least two answers. One of them as as related to gaming. One of them is related to computational creativity. Um, uh, but in both cases, the um, uh, uh, there is a distinction from you know what would classically be computer science uh, because we're not trying to meet a particular uh, known objective. We're not trying to achieve um, a better performance on an objective function. Instead, we're trying to do something uh, in gaming. It's uh, improve the quality of play and make things more fun and enjoyable um, and maybe improve the aesthetic experience also. And in uh, 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 the realm of uh, computational creativity, we're trying to um, uh, make a, a system that uh, that provides some surprise and novelty. Um, so, so you know, these are ways that this is sort of pushing outside. I, I sometimes I think you know another another term. This wouldn't be clarifying, but another way to think <laughs> of it is that you have computer science already. We understand what computer science is pretty well. It's yep. well established. And so, what about what are the what what are the computer arts? You know, broadly speaking, not just visual art, but uh, um, uh, literary work, music. Uh, Dance, uh, sculpture, performance—what, right? what, you know, what, what are the, uh, what are the arts that are analogous to the, to the sciences? And, and that is uh, uh, what I would say is uh, creative computing. Understood. Okay, Th that's that's actually a lens that I find fruitful. I mean, it's 
it's a little bit lofty, but and but I guess uh, you know fields are always somewhat abstract and and some some level of abstraction to understand them. But I, I like that that particular lens, and I, I know that uh, your endeavors in creative computing are to find that novelty and to, and to create that and and to sort of conjure that from from computation. I know that you're involved in what what is referred to at least on your website as digital poetics. I've I've seen some of your uh, your digital poetics on on your site. Uh, myself, um, I'm interested, Nick, and, and maybe some examples that our folks would not be familiar with, of what uh, creatively uh, have computers been able to do. I think you know a lot of us are familiar with the really base level AI stuff that we see on a day to day basis. You go to Amazon and you slap your credit card down. They're going to have a couple right, other right. books you should buy for crying out loud because that's a, a pretty overt objective. Uh, you know, in, in your your term of uh, trying to get to an objective, the objective there is called dollars. And uh, for Amazon, it's recommending the books that you know a uh, you're going to like the most, but b you're, you're most likely to to purchase a win win there. So that's that's their yeah, objective. Yeah. I don't really know if that's creative computing. Maybe you would call it creative computing. What are some examples in today's day and age, right here, right now? of creative tasks, tasks that, that folks tuned in might colloquially refer to as creative, that computers can pull off to some degree. Inform us as to, to how far along we are here and what's been done. Well, so I think it's difficult actually to answer that question in a uh, framework of the accomplishment of tasks. Um, no, no, I think you know, so too. Instance, yeah, I mean, let me give the example that, you know, for instance, you go to see whatever your tastes in theater or art, you know, might be, you, you Imagine you go to see a play, uh, you go to see uh, an exhibit, and um, it's it's uh, incredible. You, it, it really uh, it's, it's, it really has an impact on you. Um, uh, you, uh, you you come out sort of feeling renewed. You have a different perspective on the world. You're you want to tell people about this and, and, and discuss it and everything. Um, so you can say, well, what tasks did the director, you know, or the artist? do better <laughs> you know, yeah. to happen. Um, no it's tough it's tough it's, right it's not clear yeah I mean I mean it's not clear that it's it's the accomplishment of um, uh, particular uh, uh, tasks that makes the difference right because it can also be um, the connection between you know what is technically executed and the overall concept of a piece um, it can be a, a connection between subject material and theme um, so um, so I, I mean the um, the thing that I would I would say is is that you know a lot of good creative computing work I, I, I believe comes from doing things that, that we already know computers can do well right there's no I mean for, just just to give a, like probably the simplest possible example yeah let's a lot a lot of the work that you uh, if you looked at anything on my site you probably see that there's there's text scrolling by for sure uh, and uh, and so I, I uh, develop uh, things in JavaScript that sort of look the same way that the terminal window would look, where text is coming up, it scrolls off the top, more text comes up on the bottom. And um, uh, this is not really remarkable in terms of computing. I mean, this is not a surprise to see something like this uh, when you're installing, you know, software oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, you yeah, see yeah. a terminal window, whatever else, you know, you see something like this. Um, but one of the things that's different about the computer as a poet um, or as a producer of poetic language and a person as a producer of poetic language is the computer can just do it forever. There's no need to sort of make a poem, stop, send it to a literary magazine, you know, wait for response. I mean, the computer can just keep keep producing text. For instance, a screensaver. 
right? You, you have, if you remember what these are. <laughs> yeah, 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 back in the day, right? yeah. I, I remember I mean, for sure. They're not common nowadays, but, you know, they used to be very common. And, uh, you know, screensaver, it's not a looping video, particularly. Um, it might actually um, uh, be, you know, rendering uh, different shapes, doing computer graphics work. Um, but it's doing this just just forever. It's continuing to do this, right? And, uh, and so, you know... Um, I mean, no one uh, uh, holds up the screensaver as an example of, you know, a radical breakthrough in uh, computer, computer art. Uh, actually, I mean, some, <laughs> some, people some people might. Some people think about this, but, but it's, it's, not, it's not a very, very uh, widespread perspective. But, um, but, you know, there's an example of the computer just doing something that the computer can do well. Um, it's not a surprise. It wasn't a capability just developed, you know, for the purposes of visual art or motion picture. Um, and yet, um, it, it is a capability that you bring it together with uh, the ability to uh, to render images and to uh, produce, uh, you know, a, a visual display, and uh, and now you're able to do something new. So you know, something like uh, the pipes, uh, you know, Windows uh, screensaver. Oh wow, yeah, and this uh, is this is you're making me have flashbacks here. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think that's a, that's a very interesting. Uh, uh, you know, piece of. Um, I do. I used to stare at those things as a as a nine year old. You know. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's there's something where there's nothing, there's no technical accomplishment or something like people didn't you know make an AI breakthrough in order for that to happen, right? But it, it nevertheless is a new form of art. And so that's you know one of the things with my work is I'm interested in a different relationship between the way that people might read or look at text. And having text that scrolls off is a way of saying, yeah, this don't don't treat this as if it were precious, as if it were something that someone you know a human being labored over. Like this is this is you know my haiku. Like here it is. This is you know um, uh, study it forever. Like you know and, and like take it and enjoy it and you know no it's it's just you can look if you like. There's some language you can read it. You can look away if you like. You can look back if you like. And and that, there's that, that texture of language is there. And so it's a new way of reading. Um, Got it. Uh, it's a it's a new way of, of doing uh, textual production. Um, and, uh, you know, like the screensaver, it has a new set of uh, possibilities that you don't have just from making a looping video. Okay, so, so, so this is, it, you know, in a, I hate to be so broad, and you put it a lot better than I, uh, to try to get as layman'sy as I can get. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're doing art uh, by, by uh, conjuring sort of poetic text or, or some kind of repetitive text uh, onto a screen in, in, in ways that a computer can manipulate. In, in a way that makes people think and interact and maybe relate to what is and could be referred to as poetry in, in a different way and respond to it in yeah. a different way. Like you said, it's not, a, it's not that the computer you know, magically knew the year that you're going to die or the computer you know, recreated some Rembrandt version of you know, your face uh, with, with oil paints. It's just that, it's just that you, you, uh, you'll now think about, interact with, and maybe glean something different and unique from a poem created by a computer than maybe you would a poem created by a person. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, I mean, this is, and this also is, you know, this is my perspective. There are people who go and, and really try to um, uh, imitate uh, human creativity. Even if you're using a model of human creativity, the way that uh, uh, is do uh, it's done in um, um, uh, computational creativity, you don't have to particularly um, try to make something that's human-like. But some people will try to make, you know, human-like poetry. So just to, I, I, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to discuss it at any length, but 
there's this contest. <laughs> go for it, go for it. It was recently announced, and one of the three categories, you know, is to create sonnets, which, uh, which is, you know, announced by a famous uh, uh, college where the term AI was developed in 1956. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and so on. But the thing, the thing about this, the thing about this idea of, of you know, make a sonnet and, and fool people into thinking, you know, in this sort of naive Turing test way, fool people into thinking that this is a human-authored sonnet. Um is, is so deeply problematic to me. I mean, first of all, people don't, the poets that I know and respect, whether traditional or avant-garde, they, you know, they don't write sonnets. <laughs> they don't teach students to write sonnets. Uh, I, 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 still, I still like a good sonnet from time to time myself. Well, I, I'm, not saying, um, I'm not saying they don't read them. I'm yeah, I still, I still like a little... You know, no, it's, it's uh, not. Yeah, it's not. It's not hip. George Meredith, right. It's not. Know, it's not. It's not, uh, it's not who, who hip. Right. By the way, you know, I mean, he's one of many people who, who would not have uh, uh, qualified for the contest because he and you know, like my uh, uh, collaborator and friend Stephanie Strickland in her Wave sonnets, um, you know, uh, did not write sonnets that formally adhere to. Um, uh, um, the the ideal of uh, of this uh, yeah the, uh, the traditional traditional sonnet structure yep yeah so so but aside from that aside from the poetry problem there's also the issue that this contest is trying you know like many other people like it's not unique in this regard but it's trying to say um, how about we have people um, doing the work of uh, how about we have we have computers trying to do the work of, of people yes um, how about we take uh, a system where um, uh, um, you know, we can do these different things, like, for instance, scroll endlessly is, is my simple example. And instead, just, just you know, try to, you know, make a haiku, make a sonnet, or do something um, that is uh, that is human-like. Um, so that's that's very uninteresting to me. I, I would rather have the computer do what it can do well and extend the possibilities for art. So, for instance, um, you know, uh, when you just mentioned uh, before our, our interview started, uh, the uh, Deep Dream uh, robot that uh, uh, Google has produced, right? So that's, to me, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that these are the greatest, um, uh, most compelling uh, visual images in the world, but they they do definitely look non-human. Oh, yeah. They, no ifs, ands, or like buts. That, they don't look like things that, that any artist I know, you know, um, has um, uh, has produced. No. Uh, and I, I find that very interesting. I'd much rather have a system doing something that is uh, a radically different than um, human artistic practice um, and, and making these bizarre combinations, for instance, than, um, uh, than just seeing uh, the, uh, the results of imitative work. Yeah, for, and, uh, for sure. The contest, yeah. So, for instance, you know, uh, there is a contest in uh, Novel Generation, um, uh, NanoGenmo, National Novel Generation Month, that Darius Kazemi founded um, last year. And uh, um, actually, I guess it was, uh, um, it was uh, back in 2013. And uh, and so it's run twice, and you know the best examples uh, are things that are really quite unlike um, uh, human literary production. I mean, they're 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 readable in certain ways; they can be appreciated in certain ways. But uh, um, but none of the none of the, the uh, outcomes from that uh, um, from that uh, writing month um, are anything like. Um, uh, fooling you into thinking that a human wrote this novel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, well, you know, they're doing these extraordinary and unusual and different things. Yeah, I think, um, I, I suppose I'll give a bit of credence to both. I think maybe the world has to have people focusing on both. I think that if, if nobody tries to crack that nut of, let's say, a novel, which seems rather ambitious uh, given AI's capacities today, um, maybe if there's nobody 
trying to crack that nut will we'll never get there. Maybe it seems impossible, but so did flight uh, or the moon, let's say. Um, so so maybe maybe there's there's you know some value there and some folks really kind of uh, putting in some sweat. But but at the same time, I can see where you're coming from, which is hey, you know, computers are also rather rather adept at a particular kind of uh, activity and we can leverage their existing strengths without even necessarily stretching them in the name of art and, and bring to light different insights in different ways through existing computing. So those are sort of two separate and, and maybe separately valuable ways of pursuing creative computing. Yeah, there might be ways uh, of uh, uh, pursuing um, human-like uh, creativity that uh, you know, provide some insights in cognitive science. True, uh, possibly. true, yeah. Uh, uh, but as a... Categories of artistic production, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't find them particularly interesting. And it is possible to look at, you know, for instance, uh, narrative principles or visual principles, and um, do work, you know, to isolate the computer's capabilities to to work with particular aspects of narrative, you know, or, or particular uh, principles in visual design. Um, but then to put them back together in uh, um, in really compelling and interesting ways. So. Sure. You know, so, so I don't, I don't think that one has to be restricted. That just because one is studying these things, that uh, um, uh, imitating people is um, even a good idea, and certainly not the gold standard. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, well, yeah, I think, I think there will be intelligences uh, beyond ourselves, but, um, but I think, yeah, why necessarily would you know? I think it. To be frank, Nick, I, I can sympathize with with the folks. Because uh, it, it, it makes some degree of sense, right? Our colloquial notions of creativity pretty quickly turn to the human mind. What with it doing so much and all? What with you and I being on Skype and stuff? Um, you know, it's done some pretty nifty uh, things, we could say, over the course of however many thousand years. Um, but, you know, as, as you're bringing to light, hey, you know, maybe we can break that mold and still find something that's very valuable to us humans by leveraging a, a different sort of trajectory of creativity that isn't just modeling people. And I think both seem to be rather interesting. Nick, because sure. we're... we're yeah, le- it's also the go case. ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was just going to go into the future uh, of, of sort of where you think these technologies might take oh, us, but okay. complete your idea. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was just going to mention that, um, uh, you know, if you think about uh, computing as a particular medium or form, and obviously, that that seems a uh, seems a restrictive view. But you know, consider that you know when people started to make uh, 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 movies, they started to use film to do you know motion pictures. Um, there was this idea initially to imitate you know what could be done on a stage to sort of film, have a photo play, right, um, and just point the camera at, uh, uh, at actors. And uh, and only later did they realize, oh, God, you know, you could turn the camera off. You can turn it on again, you know, somewhere else. You can move it around while you're doing the photography and so on, right? So the capabilities of the medium um, and the differences between um, uh, movies and uh, and plays, um, you know, became important after a while. Um, I think that's, you know, that's the type of thing I'm arguing for in computing. That you know, rather than imitating the existing capabilities that we have as whether it be as human authors or um, to express, you know, poetry and art in, in standard, you know, in typical ways that are well-known, um, why not use the things that uh, the computer can do? Why not uh, I, understand I like it as a, as a medium with potential? I like that. You know, replicating reality, you know, with, with regard to movies, hey, we could just hold the camera on and we could put on a play and then people can watch the play wherever. And now it's, you know, it, they basically uh, can, can jump right into this theatrical experience. 
But what if what if it wasn't real life? What if it wasn't one person's eyeballs? What if we could jump from scene to scene and time to time? Could we conjure uh, a different creative experience that would be uh, wholesome and worthwhile in its own respect? And uh, I think the answer there is yes. So same thing to, to what you're referring to in creative computing. I completely grasped uh, that, that analogy, or at least I, I think I, I got it to the level. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down is what I'm telling you, Nick. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, okay. So uh, lastly, very lastly, um, with respect to where creative computing might be headed, um, you know, yeah. oftentimes at the end of our interviews, we'll say, you know, we'll ask folks in the AI field, the brain-machine interface field, you know, shucks, in 10 years, what might it be reasonable that, you know, that, that we'll be able to do? What, what might be possible? Or, or you know, maybe in your case, what are the factors influencing sort of the future of where creative computing may take us and, and what, what in fact may be possible in the future? What are your thoughts there? Maybe without particular time frames, but your thoughts on the trajectory of how creative computing might influence the world and how it might expand its capacities? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that, Again, pretty much anyone of whatever stripe you ask about uh, the future of poetry uh, would agree that if they say, well, if there's you know only 50 people in the world who are uh, writing poems, um, even if they're very good, uh, that's not much of a future for poetry. That uh, the future comes from uh, widespread engagement with poetry, uh, reading, writing, um, and you know we may we may not like what what everyone does and uh, what the uh, 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 populist does, you know, in terms of, of creating poems, but uh, but we you know we recognize that that type of engagement um, is uh, is pretty essential to the continuation of the of the project. Of the field, yeah. Um, and so this is not something that you know when we think about creative computing because it's more of an industrial endeavor, uh, like you know like like the uh, motion picture industry. You know, we have uh, video gaming that you know we have research labs. But um, I say a, a lot of the future of uh, creative computing is um, in individual engagement with um, creative types of programming. Actually, uh, not, not just using uh, you know, drawing programs or other facilities uh, to do work, or even uh, using uh, prepackaged sort of you know, apps that might uh, assist uh, creatively in, in the process of, of composition or creation, but actually going and um, having people um, uh, work to code uh, themselves, which which they can do by you know starting um, uh, with existing uh, programs, modifying them, learning about code, uh, developing their abilities in very informal ways. One doesn't have to get a computer science degree or or you know even take a formal class. Um, and uh, and so uh, you know I, this is one of the reasons I think that uh, um, uh, the, the uh, perspective of free software and open source is uh, very important to the future of uh, um, creative programming and why, you know, I, I'm not um, uh, pleased to look at the App Store, uh, for instance, you know, as an example of this, where things are, are sealed off, they're approved by a particular company. Um, you know, looking at the web and what people do in, in JavaScript or looking at uh, uh, work that, uh, you know, it's more esoteric, more difficult to manage, but work that people do on uh, 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 and put up on GitHub, you know, and, and otherwise make available as free software projects. Yeah. Um, you know, the, these I think are really are really really um, uh, important. And you know, part of that is that is that you know that there's a lot of things that both um, academic research uh, related to computational creativity and AI and um, the well developed uh, game industry uh, with its uh, tremendous capabilities in uh, um, organization, uh, people working in different roles, project management, you know, and so on. Um, 
those aren't the only perspectives. Nevertheless, you know, I mean, they they might have they might have uh, funding and organization, and, and they, they might have established ways to create um, uh, particular types of uh, projects, you know, very well. Um, but um, but that work um, uh, has uh, the potential, I think, to connect to uh, broader types of, uh, of um, artistic uh, literary endeavors. Um, and uh, so, if people make for instance, if people do academic projects um, and uh, provide their work as free software, um, then, well, that's that's great for all sorts of reasons. It allows other people to replicate your results. Um, uh, it allows people to build on your research. But also people might take the work that you've done and um, inflect it in different types of uh, creative and artistic ways. So hmm. um, so I think, you know, there's uh, there, at, at, the, at the high end of, like, these large-scale projects, there's value to uh, to free software, um, in the small scale uh, range of you know these things that fit into individual web pages. There's a tremendous value to having uh, those be open, um, non-obfuscated, you know, available to people, easy easy for people to work with. Um, uh, and uh, and I've seen this in you know projects like uh, Taroko Gorge, which is a one-page you know very uh, uh, succinct um, uh, originally a Python program that I ported to JavaScript. Uh, which uh, has been taken up by um, more than two dozen uh, people and modified, and, and they, you know, uh, in many cases, sort of kept my um, uh, stanza form and uh, um, and hmm. framework. In other cases, not. Um, sometimes played with the original, uh, you know, sort of theme and subject matter. You said Pytho Gorge, Nick, just to to Taroko Gorge. Taroko Gorge National Park in Taiwan. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so you know that's that's one case where, um, uh, you know, people have, have come to this project of mine, and uh, and uh, uh, really just from modification. And this includes people who don't really who don't identify as programmers. You know, they, they don't have they haven't taken programming classes, um, but they've uh, 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 downloaded this page, made some changes to the data. You know, to take uh, change things about the, the visual appearance of the page. And, uh, and and produced uh, uh, something different as a result, Got it. and uh, and you know sometimes uh, quite compelling and interesting, sometimes quite quite funny, um, and uh, and this is this is a uh, uh, this this type of remix modification and reworking um, is is you know fairly fairly widespread, um, but it, again you know it's not the it's not the type of culture that one um, imagines from. Um, uh, from an app store sort of model. No, no, and, and yeah, I suppose both both will exist, and maybe if Apple never w existed, you know, those, uh, you know, we'd all be better off. Maybe, maybe they've done something worthwhile. Uh, but I think I think there also is, and Apple here, too was a great line of computers. By the way. <laughs> so I don't object. To, I don't object to Apple. You know, the well, yeah, no, they 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 they've, they've <laughs> done they've done some stuff. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, I think. You know, there's something limiting there, certainly with the app store, as you had mentioned. I think there's also something, you know, uh, you know, something to be said of it. But then there's also, of course, something liberating about, you know, the GitHub projects of the world, the projects you're referring to, where, you know, people from all over the, the world can, can openly share, pick apart, rework uh, various software projects and creative endeavor uh, in ways that maybe proliferate the kind of creativity that, that uh, you and I were referring to. Nick, just just out of curiosity, and because I'm I'm interested in your perspective as we close out here, um, you know, you had snickered a bit at the the uh, sonnet contest. I don't know anything about it, nor nor do I understand the the depths of AI well enough to 
to comprehend what it would require to compose one uh, in in uh, in an artificial intelligence. Um, do you think that it's it's even reasonably uh, supposable that 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 in the coming decades ahead there will be a computer that will be able to pump out a sonnet, maybe even reconfigure a sonnet? You know, you send them four or five haikus and they turn it into you know eight stanzas in some very Shakespearean way. Um, do do you think even that is is not even, you know, for you, it might not be even worthwhile, but do you think yeah, it's yeah. even reasonable to think we can pull it off? Or do you think that this is sort of yeah, a too far, too creative? No, 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 I think it's, oh, really? I think it's been done. But I think that the thing is that these don't, you know, the, the, the sonnets that are produced by, uh, uh, by the best uh, sonnet generators um, uh, and some uh, formally obey uh, the scansion and um, uh, the um, uh, rhyme scheme. Yep. Uh, that uh, that you know, as specified in this in this contest, but um, they they don't read uh, like uh, uh, like human authored texts. So um, uh, Ranjit uh, Bhatnagar's um, system uh, Pentametron is an extraordinary example. It's a it's a Twitter bot that uh, just takes tweets, finds uh, tweets that that scan as iambic pentameter, and uh, and then also finds uh, those that rhyme. Uh, schematically, <laughs> wow. and uh, puts them together. And um, so, if you go, to, you know, Twitter.com/slash/pentametron uh, or uh, pentametron.com, um, I won't, I won't uh, read one here, but I'll, I'll invite. That sounds like a blast. You yeah. And listeners to, to 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 take a look. They're 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 quite uh, they're quite compelling. So, no, no, I think there's I think there's there's some very good work. Will it um, will it ever done. read? But that's again, yeah. it's more along the lines of. Um, uh, the uh, uh, the deep dream, you know, sort of uh, uh, mashup of uh, of images that, that that you know that no one would have thought to do, uh, and, and also that might have been quite quite challenging, you know, for, technically for a person. To for sure. Do. do you think even twenty years? So of course, you know, these sonnets are being made. You know, in your words, they're not really like humans would write them, but they're still rather fascinating and, and worthwhile as an as a creative yeah. endeavor. Um, you know, will there be uh, any, anyone who can, or, or will will there be? Is it is it feasible that we'll escape that rut? In other words, um, is a machine sonnet, as far as you can tell, decades from now, going to be as far removed from the Shakespeare's and Emerson's of the world uh, as it is now, or 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 is it conceivable that a, a machine will be able to grasp? some deeper essence and some deeper meaning maybe of a sonnet in 20 years or so, or are we sort of stuck there in your eyes? Well, I, no, I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a position that we're stuck in to begin with. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I don't think anyone uh, writing today, again, however traditional, you know, wants to produce sonnets like uh, uh, Shakespeare. Um, I, I mean, and, and not, not out of any lack of respect for uh, uh, Shakespeare's uh, poetic ability. But uh, because we're interested in things that respond to um, uh, the world now, the situation of poetry now, uh, the language as it is now, right? And and uh, you know, Pentametron does that. I mean, it's a uh, it's and it's made of, of course, it's it's made of human authored texts yep. um, that have been assembled, you know, in these um, uh, you know very uncanny ways um, uh, into a, 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 a form that is familiar, a meter that is familiar, yep. right? So. Um, yeah, so it's um, uh, um, uh, I, I don't I don't think that 
that somehow we need to you know veer closer to to existing poetic tradition. I mean, these are also there, there's there's people in contemporary poetry who are um, you know trying to do some some similar sorts of things sort of manually, not, not as well in many cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, do, using collage techniques and appropriation, and so 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 I, I don't think it's actually um, I don't think it's uh, divorced from uh, poetic tradition. Um, uh, I don't think there's. I don't think there is a rut or a gap that that. Um, that well, the, yeah, I guess the the, the rut I meant was um, will it? You know, r right now it it seems rather machiney and 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 maybe maybe isn't grasping at the human experience in the same way. Isn't conveying genuinely, uh, you know, a, a genuine emotion or, or, or some, some, again, facet of, of what our life and, and experience and, and inner world is so like. It's so much more fake if it, if it sounded like Shakespeare. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a real uh, capsule of uh, what people are writing, you know, on, uh, on Twitter. And it's, it, I mean, the only thing... Well, it's certainly more modern, more relevant to today, whatever the kids are tweeting exactly, these days, with emoticons but, and whatnot. But if you look at it, but of course, if you imagine, like, what, what, what you know, in a hundred years, will, will Pentametron be... You know, sort of the, the, the best system then. Well, no, because we, I mean, well, Twitter will be quite passe at that point. <laughs> Probably, know, yes. It, you know, to whatever extent it, it would exist. Um, and we don't, we won't need, you know, a robot uh, a poet to assemble the text from that particular social network, you know, to, uh, um, to, to inform us um, about uh, uh, the nature of writing and utterance and its connection to. To poetic tradition, so so I don't. I mean, I don't think this is. Uh, uh, I don't think this is the end point. Um, Got it. Yeah, it's, it's a constant evolution, just as the creative endeavor and what what day to day life is like. You know, now Twitter is pretty relevant, and Pentamatron is yes, is yes. contributing in its in its own way. So I, I do understand your point. I I for one will still enjoy some Horace and some Emerson uh, from time to time, yeah. but uh, but maybe that makes me Nick uh, a weirdo. Um, on on that note. Nick, I really I appreciate you uh, bringing to light your own perspective on creative computing, where it's going, what's possible now. This has been insightful on my end. For the people tuned in, if you want to learn more about what Nick's up to, see some examples of what we were talking about, go to nickm.com. Pretty, pretty convenient website, which I could have gotten Dan F. Unfortunately, I don't. So nickm.com. Nick, again, thank you so much for being here on Tech Emergence. You bet. Thank you, Dan. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker, uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Uh, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>